In what ways have you experienced hardship and faced suffering for the sake of Christ? The price of faithfulness can seem great, but as Christians, we go through it because the reward is immeasurable. Today, we come to Acts chapters 6 and 7, where we encounter the first martyr of the Christian church. Stephen paid the ultimate price for his faith. And we're looking at that account today. This lesson is called The First New Testament Martyr. For centuries, people believed that Aristotle was right when he claimed the heavier an object is, the faster it will fall to earth. Well, according to legend and one biographer, Galileo, a professor of mathematics at the University of Pisa, summoned fellow professors to the base of that leaning tower of Pisa. And then from the top of the tower where he was, he released a cannonball and a little musket ball at the same time. And they landed at the same time. In spite of that, you know, conventional wisdom was so strong that they still believed that the heavier object would fall faster. Well, in 1609, Galileo built a telescope and discovered mountains and craters on the moon. More significantly, his observations led Galileo to insist that the Earth is not fixed in space with the sun and the planets revolving around it, but rather the Earth and the planets circled the sun. Well, he was denounced by the Roman Catholic Church. He was summoned, in fact, to stand trial for heresy before a Roman Inquisition. He was found guilty and sentenced to permanent house arrest. It would take another century before opposition to the idea that the sun, rather than the earth, is at the center of the solar system, died down, and and it was widely accepted that Galileo wasn't a heretic after all. He'd been right. In 1992, some 300 years after condemning Galileo, the Vatican publicly acknowledged the error of the church. Can you imagine risking your life by standing up against the organized religion of your world, all of the academic leaders of your world, and the, and the public opinion of your world? Well, that's exactly what you have here in Acts chapter 6. There's a man who's going to stand up to his world regarding the truth of Jesus Christ. He's introduced to us here in verse 8 as a man full of grace and power. His name is Stephen, Stephanos. That word means crown. And he's going to to certainly live up to his name. He's only going to preach one sermon, at least that we have recorded, before he wears the crown of a martyr. He'll become the first martyr of the New Testament dispensation. Now, we're told here in verse 9 that Stephen is debating Hellenistic Jews associated with a a synagogue here in Jerusalem. Uh, These were Greek-speaking Jews from Cyrene and Alexandria in North Africa and Cilicia and Asia and what is now modern-day Turkey. Well, he's having a debate with them. Verse 10 tells us that they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit 
with which he was speaking. Well, unfortunately, because they can't refute him, they they turn to accusing him of blasphemy. They seize him. They carry him off to the the Sanhedrin. It all, frankly, happens so fast. I've often thought that if Stephen was married or had children or parents, there really wasn't any time to say farewell. When they arrive before the Supreme Court of Israel, false witnesses step up and claim that he's spoken against the temple, he's spoken against uh, Moses and the law. Now, you might expect Stephen to be panicking here, you know, biting his nails at this sudden turn of events. But instead, we're told here in verse 15, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Well, this either refers to some kind of supernatural glow or maybe his calm demeanor. With that, we arrive now in chapter 7 to where Stephen responds to the high priest's question as he's asked, are these things so? Well, Stephen doesn't directly address the charges against him. What he does instead is launch into a rather lengthy sermon. He's going to review Israel's history in now some 52 verses. And I got to tell you, it's a brilliant sermon. It highlights God's plan for Israel. It addresses the self-righteous Jewish leaders. In fact, Stephen's verdict is going to be very clear The rejection of Jesus Christ is nothing less than Israel's rebellion against the God they claim to worship. He begins in verse 2. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the land that I will show you. Now, very appropriately here, Stephen begins with the father of the Hebrew nation. Abraham responded to God's promise of an heir, a future nation, by faith in God's word. And God will give Abraham and Sarah a son, Isaac, who becomes the father of Jacob, the father of the 12 tribes of Israel. Now, beginning in verse 9, Stephen tells the familiar story of Joseph, whom God used to save his family, including his father Jacob and, and his jealous brothers who'd sold him into slavery. Stephen is using the account of Joseph as a reminder that, well, the nation's forefathers were jealous of Joseph, wanted to get rid of him. And, well, Mark's Gospel, chapter 15 and verse 10, tells us very clearly that the nation's leaders had delivered up Jesus for the very same reason. They were envious of his popularity. Well, now with that, here in verse 17, Stephen turns to Moses and how God raised him up to deliver Israel from the oppression of the Egyptians. But uh, Stephen reminds his audience that Moses was initially rejected by the people he came to deliver. Here's what he says in verse 25. Moses supposed that his brothers would understand that God was giving them salvation by his hand, but they did not understand Now, keep in mind, beloved, that Stephen has been accused of blaspheming Moses, but now he's comparing Moses with the Messiah. Both Christ and Moses were sent from God. Both are initially rejected by the nation, yet both had come to deliver Israel. Stephen isn't blaspheming Moses. He's honoring him as the forerunner of Israel's divine redeemer. Of course, the Lord Jesus, as he'll later Now, Stephen corrects the theology of the Sanhedrin here in verses 44 to 50, 
Uh, They revere the temple. They're accusing Stephen of speaking disrespectfully of this holy place. But Stephen reminds them here in verse 48 that the Most High does not dwell in houses made by hands. In other words, Stephen is he's challenging them. He's saying, look, you're so caught up with your tradition and your rituals and your building that you're missing the truth about Jesus Christ, the Redeemer of Israel, who only months earlier had stood in the temple and said, I am the light of the world, John chapter 8, verse 12. Well, now with that, Stephen concludes his sermon with this very powerful and convicting verdict. He doesn't hold back, verse 51, you stiff-necked people, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you've now betrayed and murdered. You received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. Well, with this sweeping indictment, Stephen turns this courtroom around. He's not on trial. They are. He's not guilty of blasphemy. They are. He's not guilty of ignoring the scriptures. They are. Well, of course, the Sanhedrin, they're, they're enraged. Stephen is, at this point, I'm sure, fully aware of where things are headed. But he goes on courageously to tell them here in verse 56, if you can imagine, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Well, with this, Stephen is making a direct connection between this messianic title, the Son of Man, and the Lord Jesus, who'd claimed this title for himself. So Stephen is effectively saying to the Sanhedrin, I see Jesus sharing the throne of God himself. Well, wow. With that, the Sanhedrin explodes with anger, and the mob takes Stephen from the city, and they stone him to death. His final words are recorded here in verse 59 as he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord Do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. I got to tell you, when I read here that Stephen says that he sees the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, well, I'd like to think that the Lord Jesus was giving him a standing ovation for his faithful testimony. This is the testimony of the first New Testament believer to wear the martyr's crown. Now, I want to tell you, beloved, you don't have to die a martyr's death to receive the the commendation of the Lord. Just to serve him today in whatever way he's designed for you to live, he'll be just as pleased with you as he was with Stephen. Let's just follow him today. Well, until our next journey, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson the first New Testament martyr. This is the wisdom journey. 
Stephen Davey is teaching through the Bible with a new lesson each weekday. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to install the newly redesigned Wisdom International app to your phone or tablet. Once you do, you can take this Bible teaching ministry wherever you go. You can follow along on both the Wisdom Journey and Wisdom for the Heart. You can access the library for Stephen's 38 years of Bible teaching. All of his sermons are available on that app, and you can listen to each one or read Stephen's manuscript. You can read the daily devotional, read Stephen's blog, read our year-long Bible reading plan, and much more. You'll find the Wisdom International app in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Join us next time to continue along this wisdom journey.